The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, Mary and Martha, you know, most of us live our lives somewhere between Mary and Martha, somewhere between these extremes of unhurried, uh, set-aside time, sitting at the feet of Jesus, and um, also the other side of that would be running around, you know, busy as Hades, okay? And naturally, I think most of us are bent a little bit more towards Martha doing stuff, and the reason for that is because we can see the results of doing things, can't we? Um, and we like results. We like, to, we like to do things and feel uh, a sense of, I've done something. Uh, sitting at the feet of Jesus, like Mary, Man, it seems so unproductive. It seems intangible, really. And listen, we're talking about this because um, we're in week two of a four-week topical series on prayer. Typically, what we do around here is preach through books of the Bible. We just finished 46 weeks in Mark, so we're taking a little breather and doing a a topical series on prayer now. Um, Last week, we were talking about the purpose of prayer. And uh, the, the purpose of prayer, we said last week, is communion with God. In prayer, we find that we, we come to God and, and we get God. Like Prayer isn't just about getting stuff, okay? It's, it's not even just about communicating with God. It's about communing with him. It's about enjoying his presence, delighting in his welcome, spending time with him, living life with him. Right? And of course, last week we looked at Jesus and how he commanded us to pray and how he set an example for us in prayer. Um, how he taught us how to pray and even left a legacy of prayer. He, he showed us how it's to be a priority in our life, right? I mean, you and I, we have access to the throne room of heaven. Like, we ought to be in prayer all the time. Like, why wouldn't we be? Praying all the time, communing with him all the time, not just at times when we, when we sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary, but also when we're up and about like Martha, unceasing even. And, and yes, that's, that's where we want to be. And, and we're going to get there. We're going to talk about that more in, in two weeks. But first, we got to get some basics down, okay? Um, we we got to get some habits down. See, in, in two weeks, when we talk about praying without ceasing, right, we want to be like a, a merry version of Martha, <laughs> Someone who has sat at the feet of Jesus, communing with Jesus, and then who is able to, to go up and about all the work and responsibilities of our life, right? Like Martha, but like Mary. Still communing with Jesus, praying all the time, everywhere, without ceasing. But here's the rub, okay? We, we only learn to pray all the time everywhere <laughs> by learning to pray some of the time somewhere. That's the rub, We only learn to pray all the time everywhere by first learning to pray some of the time somewhere. The first part, that's what we want. We want ongoing. We want consistent, continuous even, communing with God. Why wouldn't we want that? But but the path to it, right, is through the hard work of creating the habit of, of praying consistently some of the time somewhere. Uh, D.A. Carson, in his book on Paul's prayers, uh, he says it like this. He says, much praying is not done because we do not plan to pray. (laughs) We do not drift into spiritual life. We do not drift into disciplined prayer. We will not grow in prayer unless we plan to pray. 
That means we must self-consciously set aside time to do nothing but pray. And then he adds, what we actually do reflects our highest priorities. You see what Carson's saying there? He's saying, if you want to live like Mary, or even more, a Mary version of Martha, it's only going to come through discipline. (laughs) You, You won't pray unless you plan to. You need a plan. That's what I want us to envision. That's what I want you to envision for yourself today. Today is all about you getting to a place of envisioning the possibility of prayer. All right? What do I mean by that? Well, I want you to, to walk out of here today uh, excited. <laughs> I, I want you to, to walk out of here today uh, joyfully envisioning the possibility of your life lived more continuously in the acknowledged presence of Jesus. All right. T- today is about, it's about putting on training wheels. Okay? Um, and, and training wheels sound a little trivial. Okay, sound a little basic, but uh, if you remember riding a bike for the very first time, <laughs> even riding with training wheels was awesome, wasn't it? And that's, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Here's where we're going. Number one, we're going to talk about the place of prayer. The place of prayer. And then number two, the, the practice of prayer, or maybe more appropriately, a practice of prayer. Um, prayer can take a lot of different shapes and forms. I want to introduce you to a practice of prayer that I think sets the course really well for ongoing, unceasing prayer. Uh, so the place of prayer and the practice of prayer. We'll start with the place. And under this point, we need to talk about both the, the spiritual place of prayer and the physical pray, place of prayer. Uh, what do I mean by spiritual place of prayer? Well, praying has a, a very specific place in the Christian life. Um, in that, it ought to be right alongside reading your Bible, okay? Um, and I say that because if we untether prayer, if, if, we, if we untether prayer to God from the Word of God, what we'll do is we'll end up praying, my will be done instead of His, right? Um, there's a lot of things that, that I want, you know? Uh, I'd take a new truck, just in case you were wondering, um, I would take another national championship for the Husker football team, sure. Um, I, I would take a little less stress, a, a world that's a little less chaotic. I would take a world without autoimmune disease and chronic illness for my wife. Thank you very much. But, but listen, is, is any of that promised to me in the Bible? <laughs> no. Not before Jesus comes back. God is not our sugar daddy. <laughs> now, you might be thinking, hang on a second, Todd. Like, Hang on a second. Last week, you told me to bring it all to him, like to, to bring everything to him. There, there, you said there's no wrong way to pray. Just bring it all to him, warts, wishes, and all, and God, that God's this perfect father who even thinks his ugliest kid's drawing, his kid's ugliest drawing is, is presentable to him, right? And that's all true. But what we have to realize, what we have to realize is that God sorts it all out when we bring it to him. More than that, he sorts us out. When we bring it to him. He he says, when you come to him with prayer, when you come to him with everything, anything, warts, wishes, all, right? He he says to you, thank you for coming to me. I'm so glad you've come. Now, let's sit down and let's look at this a little bit together, right? James says in James chapter 4, you ask and do not receive Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, 
you adulterous people. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Pr- prayer exposes us, doesn't it? That, that's one of the reasons that God, it's one of the reasons that God loves for us to bring anything and everything to him. Not so he can say, I'll grant you that one, not that one, not in the mood. You know, not so he can simply sort out the good prayers from the, from the bad ones. Gold star for that one. Good job, Todd. Nope, not on that one. Try again. No, he, he loves it because through us, through it, he sorts our heart. God wants to give you good things, but you also have to remember, he knows what's best for you. Like, even better than you know what's best for you. And, and that is a jagged pill to swallow, <laughs> Sometimes you want something, someone, some opportunity so bad and God doesn't give it to you because he knows it would ruin you. Even if objectively looking at it, it's a good thing. See, sometimes sometimes you want it too bad. In fact, so bad that it's crowding out God in your life. It's becoming more important than him. You're starting to trust in it instead of him. You're starting to look at that something, that someone, that some opportunity for something that you're to look to God for. Satisfaction. Joy. Contentment. Peace. Control. The Bible calls that, it has a, it has a name for it, it, calls it spiritual adultery. Maybe you've even prayed, you know, maybe you've even prayed, God, if you don't come through on this one, I don't know. Like it, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to trust you. Like if you don't come through on, on this one, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can worship you anymore. I don't, know that, I don't know that I can trust that you're actually in control. And if you are, you're mean. Listen, if, if you're here today and that's you, just as gently, as lovingly, but pastorally as I can say it, you have elevated the gift above the giver. Even if in your mind it's a completely good thing, like a a spouse or a job, or for him to remove some form of suffering. If you're there, if you find yourself there, spiritually pouting, having a, a little spiritual temper tantrum, might I just lovingly, gently suggest that, like, gently, that you don't want a God to surrender to. You'd much more prefer a sugar daddy to spoil you. So well, what do I do then? Well, don't stop bringing it to him. <laughs> That's our tendency, isn't it? Fine, I'll just stop talking about it then, you know. In fact, you know what, God, maybe I'll just stop talking to you altogether then. <laughs> Don't do that. No, keep bringing it to him, but let your bringing it to him sort you. Look, look at what James says again. Let's add the, the sentence right before it now, too, in James, uh, the end of verse 2 there in James 4. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. So don't stop asking. But remember, you ask and do not receive sometimes. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. In other words, 
what we're to do is to bring it to him and say, God, I want this. I need this. But you know what's best. And you always give me the best. You know what I truly need, and I trust you. Help me, Spirit of God, to surrender to you. <laughs> See, we're, we're not to ask wrongly. James says that. The opposite of which would be to ask rightly. Right? How do we ask rightly? Well, by understanding the, the spiritual place of prayer, which is right alongside reading Scripture. That's the place for it. Learning His will. Because as you read it, what happens? Here's what happens. You're, you're learning his will. You're tuning your will to his. You're tuning your expectations to biblical ones. You're calibrating your expectations to what God has already and actually promised. You're being reminded of, of who he is and how amazing he is and how sinful you are and how loving he's been and how undeserving you are and how great it is that he's, he's saved you despite all of it. And it puts you in a posture of, of praise, telling a victor narrative instead of a victim one. You're being shaped by the word. You're seeing his desires for the world. You're seeing his desires for the kingdom and for you. Your loves are conforming to his. Your priorities are conforming to his. Your desires are conforming to his. Your expectations are conforming to his. And not in some resigned, well, this sucks, but I guess I have to put up with it kind of way. No, you're being conformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. You're being reminded or, or maybe coming to realize truly for the very first time that in Christ, in Christ you have all that you truly need. And until you realize that, it's an understanding that only comes to reading his word. Until you realize that, all of your prayers are just another form of expressing worry, of expressing lust, greed. We've got to understand the spiritual place of prayer. And then more briefly, but super practically, the physical place of prayer um, Think back to the training wheels metaphor, right? This, this is a training wheel. You need a place. Just super practically, right? I, you need a place. I don't care where it is. I don't care when it is. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6 to go into your room and shut the door. Some privacy, right? One of his favorite places seemed to be out in nature. Mark 1, 35 says Jesus got up really early while it was still dark, went out by himself to pray. Daniel liked to do it three times a, a day by himself. Um, David talks about morning, evening, and noon. Right? I'm not overly concerned about when or where, but you need a place, and, and you need a, a time, a sacred, a sacred place, a sacred time, space and time. Remember, the aim is ongoing communion with God. That's what we're after here, all the time, everywhere. And we only learn to pray all the time everywhere by learning to pray some of the time somewhere. By slowing down, like Mary. And sitting regular, with, with habit, at the feet of Jesus. All right, and listen, uh, everything in your life is going to conspire against this. <laughs> everything. 
like kids sleep, that's going to conspire against it. Uh, your distracted ch- train of thoughts, that's going to distract it. You know, if, if, if someone actually sat down with you and transcribed your thoughts, your prayers, while you were trying to have that quiet time with the Lord, and, and then they showed it back to anybody else in the world, they would think you were a raving lunatic. You know, like, dear Lord, please, grocery list over here. You know, it's just like, what is happening here? Everything conspires against this in your life. And the result is that we're distracted, <laughs> we're anxious, we are troubled by all kinds of things. Why? Because we, we haven't cultivated the habit. We don't have the, the place, the time and space to regularly sit at the feet of Jesus. You and I, what we need is a slowed down spirituality. We need a category for spiritual productivity. We need a rhythm, a habit, a physical place, time and space to sit and be still like Mary. To get some critical distance, right, from the busyness that the world calls normal and instead just commune with Jesus. Where's your place? Time and space, right? For me, early mornings in the green chair in the corner of my living room. That's it. For you, it might be late at night on a walk outside. Wherever, whenever, this is your tent of meeting. (laughs) This is the place of focus. Phone off, phone thrown away, just get rid of the thing. TV off, distractions, silence, just a, a time and space for you to sit like Mary at the feet of Jesus, not for an hour, maybe, but start with 15 minutes, like you can do that. 15 minutes of time in a physical space set apart for you to pray. A habit, or if the language is more helpful, a ritual. Something that you do every day, same time, same space, until it's so much a part of your life that it's on autopilot. Hmm. It can happen. It's just a habit. (laughs) I mean, right now you have the habit of not doing it. You can just as easily have the habit of doing it. Habit is what replaces habit, so give yourself to this. Remember Carson's words from earlier. You're not going to drift into it. You're going to need a plan. What's your plan? What's your, what's your place? Time and space. Hey, share that with somebody this week. Ask somebody this week. A brother or sister in Christ. What's your, what's your time? What's your space? Encourage them in it. Hold them accountable in it. Pray for them in it. Now, hopefully... Uh, you're at least starting to think, I think I might be able to do that. You know, 15 minutes, I can probably pull that off, you know. And, and notice I didn't say, um, never told you to, to make 15 minutes a day for this because it's literally humanly impossible to make time. Have you, have you tried to make time? I've tried. You can't make time. You can take time for this. You can take 15 minutes out of your day for this, set it aside. But the next question becomes then, okay, once I do that, once I take time for this, what do I do? In my place, you know, in my sacred time and space, what exactly do I do? And there's lots of things you can do. There's lots of ways to pray, okay? At some point during this series, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot out a, a list of resources on Realm on the topic of prayer. But listen, here's what I know about myself. Maybe it's true of some of you. Um, I can love learning about prayer more than I actually love prayer, Right? 
Um, that's just <laughs> some of my unique brokenness there probably, but just the way that I'm wired, you know, I, 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 am, I am naturally drawn to reading about prayer more so than being drawn to just sit and pray. It's easier for me. It's funner for me. And that's, that's it's not just dangerous, it's missing out. Now, you might be the same way, listening to a podcast or a sermon about prayer. No problem. In fact, you, you kind of enjoy it, but sitting for 15 minutes and just praying, Doing that for seven days in a row, that gets harder, you know. And so the resource list will come, but I don't want to share it too quickly. Instead, what I'd like us to look at this morning is a practice of prayer. One that I think has the potential or the possibility, just to get my P in there today, of regularly bringing about transformation in your life. Okay, which is important. You know, one of the ways that we continue and persist in prayer is by seeing, really, the benefits of prayer in our actual lives. That spurs us on, and that's important. Well, I think that this method helps bring about transformation in your life. I also think that it moves the needle on us approaching God in prayer unceasingly. In other words, it helps us to flourish in prayer. And the practice that we're going to talk about has its roots in the, in the scriptures in places like Psalm 139. Okay, go ahead and turn there in, in your Bible to Psalm 139. We read the end of that. I want us to back up a little bit in it and, and read the, the, the beginning of it. It's page 521 in that Pew Bible if you don't have a copy of, of the word with you. Psalm 139, page 521. Hopefully you've got that in, in your lap. Psalm 139, page 521 says this, O Lord, this is David, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before the word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in. Behind and before, you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Listen to what David is saying there. He, he's saying, you know everything about me, God. Everything. You are everywhere with me. All the time. You're, you're there in the good times, you're there in the bad times. You are there in the dark times, you are there in the times of, of light. When I'm walking in darkness, you're there. When I'm walking in the light, you're there. You know my thoughts, you know my words. And then jump down to the end, the last two verses. Kaylee read this earlier. This is how he ends the psalm. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me. Try me and know my thoughts. Try me. 
Search my heart, try my thoughts, examine me, David says. In other words, then he says, and see if there be any grievous way in me. (laughs) Expose me through this examination. Sort me. And lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, change me. Transform me. Lead me in your way, the way everlasting, walking and keeping with your will, my, my will being conformed to yours. Well, this psalm provides the biblical foundation for a practice known historically in the church as the prayer of examine. A practice that I think is absolutely critical to you continuing to grow in Christ. Right, here's how it works. From the, from the place of prayer, Right, both spiritual and physical, like we just talked about. From your place of prayer, give yourself to God in prayer, asking him to examine your life. Specifically, the prior day. Right, you, you can do this at the end of your day, you can do this at the beginning of, of the next day, looking back over the prior one. Right, but in the prayer of examine, this practice, you go back through your day, praying back over your day, communing with God. And asking him, like David does in Psalm 139, to examine you. It's reviewing the last 24 hours through his lens. Hour by hour, emotion by emotion. Interaction by interaction. Processing your day with God. Listen, for far too many of us, we, we go through our lives with nothing like this. We, we live an uncontemplated life with no reflection, no contemplation, and therefore no real growth whatsoever. You're missing out. You're missing out on how God is active in every aspect of every minute of every day of your life, and he wants to speak to you through it. He wants to grow you. He wants to transform you. He wants to conform you more into the image of Jesus and so you might begin this, this time of, of daily prayer of examine by thanking God for his presence, <laughs> cultivating a spirit of thanksgiving in your life, and then asking, asking him, Lord, help me to see the last 24 hours the way you've seen it. Again, hour by hour, emotion by emotion, interaction by interaction. You know, think about your life like a, like a YouTube video, okay? And this is hit and rewind, back, back a day, <laughs> giving the controller over to Jesus, or the phone, I guess, that's how we watch YouTube now, and, and letting him play it forward, pausing where he wants to, to speak to you. <laughs> As you pray this way, stepping back through the day, you're going to find points where Jesus hits pause, and you praise him. You say, wow, I missed that. I missed driving east on South Street and seeing the glory of you revealed through the sunrise. It was amazing. Praise you, God. A little further, pause again, and you realize, God answered a prayer right there. I was moving so fast, I didn't even realize it. But he answered answered a prayer right there. God protected me right there. God provided for me right there. He gave me words right there. He helped me keep my mouth shut right there. And you praise him. Additionally, he's going to reveal things for you to confess. He's going to push pause on the spots that you would, you would really prefer he'd fast forward through. Right? And instead, it's an opportunity to confess. Father, I sinned against my coworker right there. Forgive me. 
I sinned against you. Forgive me. There'll be times to give thanks to him. Lord, thank you for that lovely interaction with my brother in Christ. Thank you for my gospel community, brothers and sisters who I get to gather with and grow with in Christ. Thank you for my job. (laughs) It's not perfect, but it provides, and you've been faithful to provide for me through this, helping me not to find my, my identity here in this, but faithful to provide it for me so I can provide for others. Thank you for these kids these interactions with him. If you're single, (laughs) thank you for the time and space that you've given me to explore some some things that I really enjoy or serve others. As you go through interaction by interaction with different people, it's an opportunity to recall those interactions and take each of those individuals or those people to the Lord in prayer and pray for them. Like, oh yeah, I actually told that person I was going to pray for them. Now I can because I just remembered. And the Lord's revealing, he's reminding me what it was that I, this person needs prayer for. Like you're just working through all these things. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's the acronym for ACTS. You're laying it back over the last 24 hours of your day. It's a prayer of examine. In examine, listen, we, we also get to ask not just what, not, not just like what happened, what did I miss, what was God doing, what do I need to confess. We also get to ask Why? Why did I respond the way that I did? Why, why, did I, why did I do that thing that I do, that I don't want to do, but I kept doing? Why was I angry at some point? Why was it, Lord, that, or, you know, what was it, in fact, that made me angry? Why did I lose it right there? Why did I... Why did I lose it on my kids? Why did I lose it on my spouse? Why did I lose it internally? Nobody else saw it, but I was boiling on the inside. Still sin. Has something become too important to me? Is there something I have to have? Was I acting out of insecurity, perhaps? You can also put the grid of Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit over this. And you can ask yourself, where where did I experience love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's an opportunity to, to praise God for the work of the Spirit in your life. To say, Lord, that was, that was you. <laughs> that wasn't me. That, that instance of self-control in my life right there, or I didn't go for the third piece of pie, oh, Lord, praise you. Self-control, thank you. All right? It's also an opportunity to see how that works the other way. Where did I not experience those things? Hmm. I was doing this a couple weeks ago. I like to do it in the morning, sitting in my green chair. Again, that's my place. And um, I was praying back over the prior day, and God revealed an instance to me uh, of interaction with my wife um, where I had been impatient, okay? And the prior afternoon, I'd asked her a question, and she started sharing um, a little more than I bargained for, to be real honest with you. And uh, I had something else that I actually wanted to do, <laughs> And I needed to go pick up a kid from school, early, early from school. And in my mind, I, I started kind of reviewing this with the Lord, picturing myself standing in the kitchen, you know, eventually hand on the doorknob, trying to send the subtle clues, you know. It's like, well, I actually, you know, I know I asked you that, and you're sharing your heart right now, but gosh, I need to go get a kid. Um, and the Lord just like started to reveal to me the impatience that I felt. 
the dismissiveness that I was conveying, whether she realized it or not, what I was communicating was, I have something better to do right now than listen to you. And, and here's where the prayer of examine gets transformational. After I'm done praying like that, I go to her and confess it to her. Hey, yesterday afternoon, standing in the kitchen, I asked you that question. I was really impatient, and I sinned against you in my impatience. That was not the fruit of the Spirit working in my life, right? Will you please forgive me? <laughs> I confess, see, not just to God, but to the one I had sinned against. That's part of repentance, right, which is transformative. And if you were to do this day after day after day, Listen, the transformation would compound like interest. And I want to stress that last part because action here is important. A lot of the things you'll read on examine, on the prayer of examine, especially if it comes, no offense, but especially if it comes through the Catholic heritage, who writes some of the best stuff on prayer, by the way. (laughs) Um, But a lot of the stuff you'll read on examine will talk about confession to God, but they fall short of actual repentance. That's a problem. There's a difference between confession and repentance. In fact, confession is a part of repentance, but it's not all there is to repentance. I was listening to this podcast a little while ago. Two very prominent leaders in what used to be a very prominent church that used to be called Mars Hill Church in Seattle. Maybe you've heard of it. And uh, this is where Mark Driscoll was the pastor. Um, And that church grew, and it grew fast, and it was... It was uh, the beginning point of a lot of what became Acts 29, which we just talked about and celebrated being a part of, right? Um, but then it all came crumbling down really quickly. And so I'm listening to this podcast, these two former leaders, and they're, they're kind of doing an autopsy of sorts on the demise of, of Mars Hill Church. This is one of the things they talked about. They said, hey, as we look back, um, and they were including themselves in this, they're very humble in that, saying, hey, this is how I contributed even to that. Um, And they said, one of the things that God has shown us actually deals with how we were approaching repentance. And they said, you know, at our church, we were really fond of repentance. And from the outside looking in, you would have said, like, man, there's just a lot of repentance that's going on. They said, we use this jingle for repentance, that repentance consists of contrition, confession, and change. And they said, from every angle, looking in at it, man, you, we were killing it. Like the, the Spirit of God was really doing some incredible stuff in creating contrite hearts. People confessing stuff that, my goodness, un, you know, unreal stuff that God was doing in, in our hearts that we were bringing in confession, even bringing about change. And so this is true. This is true of our culture, of our church. It's true of the leaders too. But they said, on this side of the demise we came to realize that we were missing another C. Conciliation. And without conciliation, you can be contrite over your sin, you can confess your sin, you can even change. But you will leave a a wake of aftermath behind you like a tornado. Church, the prayer of examine affords you a disciplined look at any aftermath you've left behind in the tornado of your life. Any conversations you need to revisit with a brother or sister. Anyone you need to reconcile with. Any business that you need to do with God. Without this, we stuff it, sometimes in the name of grace, and we move on. That's not healthy. That's actually not biblical. (laughs) 
Listen, if you've been sinned against, you need to say so. You need to go to the person just like, just like Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Matthew. If someone has sinned against you, you need to go to them just like Jesus tells us in the book of Matthew. This is the daily business of change, friends. And the more you do this in the reflective sense, the more you'll grow to do it in an ongoing, even proactive, unceasing, moment-by-moment sense as you walk through your day with Jesus. It's possible. Like, this is the possibility of prayer for you. Real change through real communion with the real Jesus. In its purest, fullest sense, that happens in an ongoing way, all the time, everywhere. But we only learn to pray all the time, everywhere, by learning to pray some of the time, somewhere. And so here's my challenge for you this week. Right? 15 minutes again. You did it last week, 15 minutes. Here's your, here's your assignment with those 15 minutes this week. In your place of prayer, and if you don't have a place, time and space, that's, that's step one. Get one, right? Set one. Share it with someone in your gospel community. Ask them to hold you accountable. Pray that you would grow that into a habit. To Ask them to encourage you in it. But then from your place of prayer, spend 15 minutes, that's all, praying the prayer of examine. Praying back over your day with Psalm 139 guiding you even. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you now for the access that you've given to us through Jesus. And we pray that you would bolster us now Encourage us now in the possibility of prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.